0: Happy breast cancer month. So at the age of 24, my mom passed away with breast cancer and I was five years old. And I remember that because she was a shiro that left me with so much. And now what I do is I bring the pink power to the world because I know During Breast Cancer Month, there are so many women. There are so many women. Again, there are so many sheroes that have fought the good fight and did not last. But I'm going to tell you this, the sheroes that are out there that are claiming their greatness. Hey, happy Breast Cancer Month to all and to all that is making it and breaking it and making it big. Happy Breast Cancer Awareness Month. to all my beautiful queens, all my beautiful ladies. out there. she's a queen. Go queen, you got it, girl. She's a queen. You better represent me. Go queen, go queen. queen, go. She's a queen about her business. So thank you guys for
1: joining another episode of the Key Chat. Today is a very special episode in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I have a very special, beautiful, sweet person, Dr. Nia Amani Bailey. She told me just call her Nia, but I'm gonna give her her title. You know what she worked for. So we're gonna be talking about just some. She's doing some amazing work. You know, she's fighting on the sidelines, helping so many women just become educated with breast cancer, helping women who are fighting with it. She's bringing a lot of awareness, working full hands-on with this. So she's very knowledgeable. In addition, she has this wonderful documentary that's going to be premiering soon called A Letter to My Sisters. So I'm really excited to speak with her. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are
0: you? Thank you so much for having me.
1: I'm doing good. I'm so happy we finally got a chance to chat. So as we were speaking off camera, you know, like I said, so sad yesterday hearing about Suzanne Summers passing away from breast cancer. You know, I mean, this is such a very—I don't want to say scary, but it's just a disease that it does—it just makes you feel some type of way. You know, if if you even if you haven't been affected directly by when you hear of another woman dealing with it, you know, whether she's a survivor or who has lost the battle, it just really touches you and it hurts. So, you know, I was really sad to hear about that as we were talking about. So I just wanted to start off on what are some things that I guess, if there's maybe possibly some myths about just, what we should be knowledgeable of, you know, regarding breast cancer. And I know I saw something too on your LinkedIn on the acronym for Brenda. So I thought that was pretty cool too. So like I said, there's a lot I want to start up, asking you about. But if we can start off, just maybe some myths you know that we can
0: be aware of and also learning more about the Brenda acronym. Absolutely. I would say the main myth, as soon as you asked me that question that popped into my head is that if you have cancer, and they open you up They do the surgery and the cancer spreads. So that's why usually a lot of people don't want to know because they think as soon as they know, they're automatically gonna be at stage four and it's a deadly disease, that's not the case. And I think where, especially in our community, I've heard that in our community a lot. And I think where that came from is those who they did surgery on, it was already metastatic. That means it had already spread. So when the doctors opened them, It was already all over their body. But I think just in years, you know, my mom told me this. I think my grandmother told me this. I just think it kind of trickled down the line and that that myth really sort of became a fact that once you open somebody up and the air hits inside of your body. The cancer spreads. that's not true. So that's the one myth that I can think of um, when it comes to breast cancer or cancer in general. But BRENDA is such an amazing acronym because it really teaches people Ways to decrease the risk of getting breast cancer. So, um, Brenda came from the Helena Fram Cancer Center. I'm part of their advisory board. And this phenomenal woman, Nicole Sorette, she came with an acronym. She said, Listen, people are not going to understand or remember how to decrease your risk. If you come up with an acronym, they can remember Brenda. Mm-hmm. So, it was phenomenal. I'm so glad she did that. So, B means breastfeed. So, it's important, if you can, no pressure, to try to breastfeed for about a year because that decreases your risk of getting breast cancer are reduce your sugary and alcoholic intake. So, you know, I'm from Philly. I love me some wine or, you know, um, what do I like? Cranberry and vodka. Although my boyfriend will make fun of me. That's like, he always says, you only like a little bit of vodka, but whatever. Um, But it's really important to decrease that risk, especially binge drinking. So binge drinking is usually categorized when you drink in a short amount of time. So typically we all binge drink. Friday, Saturday, maybe Sunday, but you want to decrease that. You don't want to binge drink. You don't want to drink in a short amount of time because that also decreases your risk of getting breast cancer. So if you drink, maybe drink on a Monday, then maybe on a Thursday, spread it out just a little bit. E, you want to exercise. And typically you want to exercise for about 30 minutes a day. Ideally, you want it to be rigorous. You want it to sweat a little bit. But if you can't do that, that's fine. Listen, I always say I don't got the time. I'm tired. So even if you do a brisk walk, that is okay. Um, and you want to eat nutritious foods. You want to make sure that your plate looks colorful. Like I said, I'm from Philly, so I love cheesesteaks, but I can't have it every day. And typically, I usually reward myself every Friday, but that's not good either. So I really need to get my life together.
1: (laughs) But you really want to
0: make sure that your plate looks colorful. So more um, greens and fresh fruits, things like that. D, do not at first. Excuse me. D, um, sorry, my cat. That's okay. I told you. Father, help us all. (laughs) Um, D, do not smoke anything. You know, we're in the generation where we like to smoke hookah or cigarettes and I've smoked hookah before and that's not necessarily good. Um, So it's very important not to smoke and A is achieve a healthy body weight. So that acronym, Brenda, all the ways that you can decrease your risk of breast cancer. Now, of course, I've had women say to me, me I breastfed, I basically eat air. I've never drank. I've never, you know, all I drink is water. Um, i exercise 25 hours a second and i still had breast cancer and and unfortunately that is true but research has shown if you typically do those what is that five six things it decreases your risk wow that's something mm-hmm. else. and
1: you know i'm trying to get on this health kick to mm-hmm. like i stopped drinking alcohol altogether mm-hmm. like it's rare that i intake alcohol because Rarely. you know as i got older in my 40s and mm-hmm. i in one of our past conversations, you know, just having a hysterectomy, things like that, just Mm -hmm. trying to see a difference, you know, in my health and energy. I think sometimes, you know, we underestimate that there are certain things that we can do. I know, like, it's not something that's going to make it completely, you know, preventable. We, you know, we we get that, but there's Mm -hmm. some things we can do to maybe, you know, help you know us along the way what we eat is super important what we drink is important to you know like you said you mentioned smoking i know a lot of people throughout time there's so many things diseases that are linked to smoking you know and it may be a hard habit for some people to break but it's worth it you know you can just to give yourself a head start you know to have some good health i think it's really important so that's just some amazing advice What are some other things, you know, I know a lot of times they talk about, you know, doing your own checks as Mm -hmm. well. I know for me it's hard because um, mine is really knotty. So, like, it's just, I learned that, like, when I was, like, 19, I'm like, I cannot really, you know, do a self-exam because it's, like, a billion knots, you know, (laughs) so... Mm -hmm. It's not simple. Um, and I know, like, when I had my first mammogram at age 40, I was really proud of myself. Because mm-hmm. I was like, well, once I hit 40, I'm like, you know, I'm going to have my mammogram. And I had my mammogram. And they called me at work, like, the next day. And I was, like, about to
0: freak out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Oh, we need you to come back. Oh, I was just like, oh, my God. You
0: yeah. know, it's stressful. Like,
1: it was devastating. Because I was just so nervous. Like, why do y'all need me to come back? Because that's me. Mm-hmm if you go to the doctor for something they call Mm you it's like what so um i went back because they were like oh we want to do an ultrasound so they did find a mask which i get this mask checked regularly so i started having mammograms i would get them every six months as opposed to every year you know so they Mm can buy this particular mask or whatever um and the only reason i'm telling that story is because it's important to not delay getting those mammograms, you know, because you never know what could happen, you know, when you go, it's just important to get it, you know, get it done. Like, don't, it may be kind of scary. I know, like, sometimes we just, we get nervous going to the doctor, mm-hmm. or get procedures done, but, you know, like, I'm just saying that to encourage someone who, you know, maybe at my age that's not getting it done or they haven't even done it yet, like, go get your mammogram because it's mm-hmm. super important. And it's great to just get on top of your health, you know, and just for some chance they could find something. They may find something that's not benign.
0: Right. The early
1: detection, as we know, is always super important. So um, what are some other things women should be aware of? Because like I said, we're in like self-exams. I know that doesn't work for everyone, but is that something that's effective?
0: Absolutely. You know, it's funny you say that. I also have like fibrocystic breasts, so my breasts feel lumpy all the time. Um but it's still important to do self-exams. I think women, I've heard women who also have fibrocystic breast and it feels bumpy, they've noticed their lump just because they're like, you know, really in tune with it. But even still, that's still hard because you can say like, oh, I feel a little bumpier, but maybe it's just, you know, I'm not really sure. So I would then just go to your doctor and say, hey, you know, I can't really tell what what what's happening. Um, but I would still suggest self-exams. You should do it in the shower. When it's soapy, in that way it can really like run on your body. You can really feel um, the grooves in your breast. I would do it in the mirror, so you're you know literally standing in the mirror. You have your um, hands on your hips, and you kind of relax your shoulder, and you can kind of see if your breasts are level. If one breast is kind of you know typically one breast is a little bit bigger than the other, but if it's drastically bigger than the other, or kind of going one way a little bit than the other, um, if you want to look at your nipple is. If the nipple is not, you know, our nipple typically points outward. If it's inward, that's usually a sign something's wrong. You want to squeeze your nipple if there's discharge coming out, and you're not breastfeeding. There's mm-hmm. discharge coming out. Um, that's something to be concerned of. Um, if your areola, or so around the nipple looks sort of like an orange peel, you know how an orange sort of dimples. That's something that you want to um take it, take a look at. And it's also very important when you're checking your breasts to check under your arm, because this is also still your breast tissue. So you also want to check to see if there's any lumps or bumps or anything like that. So you can also check. So while in the mirror, let me just um, go back to that while you're in the mirror, and your hands are on your hips. So you sort of look at that, and then you want to take, what arm is this? My left arm, and I'm going to check my left breast with my right hand. So I put it behind my um, head, and then just check. So I'm going to go up. And just uh, you kind of want to do a circle. Mm-hmm. And then you want to come up and down, down and up. And you kind of want to go left to right. And we'll do the same thing with the other side. If you want to do laying down, say, same thing. So say my bed is you know behind me, mm-hmm. the arm up, the opposite hand touching the other breast, and do the same exact thing. So I would still definitely do self-exams. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why it's also important to have a doctor because you say, hey, I have lumpy breasts. I don't know. Then your doctor needs to see you regularly to determine if something is going on. It's also important to know your family cancer history because that also determines um, if you're going to have cancer. So specifically for me, you told your story. And I think that's so important because it really helps people resonate to know what to do. Um for me, my father had prostate cancer, and he's doing great. He's a 16-year thriver. He hates the word survivor, so thriver, he says. Um, for, because of that, that increases my risk of breast cancer because prostate cancer and breast cancer directly correlate. I also know that on my mother's side, my uncles had prostate cancer, my aunts had breasts, and then breasts, colon, duh, 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 a lot, right? So I took that to my primary care doctor. He then, he could have done it himself, but he then referred me to a breast surgeon. The breast surgeon said, okay, I'm going to put all of this information to, into a risk calculator to determine my risk. So your dad had prostate cancer, your uncle had prostate cancer, your aunts, et cetera. It equaled out that I had a greater than 20% chance of getting breast cancer. So then I get screened two times a year. I get a... Um, breast MRI and a 3D mammogram. And I alternate. So saying in January, I get um, the 3D mammogram in July. I think that's six months away. (laughs) I get the um, breast MRI. So those to know that about, to know my body, to also know my family cancer history, that helps. And then as well as genetic testing. So because my family has cancer all up in them, Hey, let's do genetic testing to see if there's a particular gene. And typically we talk about BRCA1 and BRCA2 because that increases your risk of getting breast cancer. But there's other genes to know of. So although I do not have those two, I do have a gene called BCL6 that determines my risk of lymphoma. And, you know, this information and everybody's like, why are you smiling when you tell me this? And it's not like I'm happy about it, but I'm happy that I know. So I get screened more. I get blood tests and all that, because like you said, early detection is key. So the idea is if any through this process, they determine, hey, you have breast cancer, you have lymphoma. I get um, diagnosed at an earlier stage and I have a greater than 95 percent chance of living. So for me, that knowledge is power.
1: That's so, I mean, I'm happy that you shared that as well. I think one of the things that make it kind of difficult for people to know their medical history is sometimes I can't speak for other communities, but I know sometimes Mm -hmm. people of color, like our families, don't really like disclosing Mm -hmm. their medical history. So that causes some problems. But I hope that by watching this, some people are more encouraged to. It's not really telling your business to let everyone know your medical history because your medical history you know we're related it's my medical history so that's one thing you know i hope people are more comfortable with sharing certain things because again you can save your relative's life as well just by sharing something so you can share that with the doctor so they can be more aware like okay well you may have a greater chance you know of developing cancer and i know cancer is a scary it's it's a scary thought you know like no one wants to hear that at all when it goes to the doctor like it's just scary to even talk about but mm-hmm. again if that ever happens to someone to just have the early detection mm-hmm. is what really helps you know just like we were talking about suzanne summer she had been yeah. dealing with that for over 20 years and you know and it's not to say well it's not to minimize anything but
0: mm-hmm.
1: 22 years you know some people don't get that amount of time you right. know to right. deal with, you know, that sentence because it, it's not always a death sentence or it's not always an immediate death mm-hmm. sentence. You know, I know it's something scary for us to discuss, but, you know, it isn't something notable that she had that amount of time. And some mm-hmm. people, you know, don't
0: get that. So, right. I'm so glad you said that, too, because I also wanted to say thank you for mentioning that. If you absolutely there's no way you can find out your family cancer history or if you're adopted and you don't know, I would still take that to your doctor because some physicians will treat that as your high risk because we don't know. So let's start testing now to see, Okay, you know what you everything looks clear. Let's wait till you're 40, you know, but it's always good to still have that patient provider relationship. Um, And then I also wanted to say before you get genetic testing. It's very important to make sure that you have insurance first Mm -hmm. because once you get the results, and if the results say you have BRCA1, BRCA2, the gene that I have, now you have a potential disease, and then your premium can increase. Meaning, I already have insurance, so my premium did not increase. I'm fine. But Mm -hmm. if I do not have insurance and I'm shopping for insurance, and the insurance company says, oh, well, Nia has B- um, BCL-6 or BRCA1 or BRCA2, so then my rate could be a little bit elevated, just like if you have diabetes or something like that. So I just always want to preface that to people. I still think it's very important, but shopping for insurance after you find the result can be difficult. Mm,
1: wow. So I want to ask you this next question, which is kind of sensitive. Okay. So let's say someone, you know, they go through these steps, having a mammogram, getting tested, and they do get the news that they do have breast cancer. Mm-hmm. What are the next steps? You know, what can a person, what can they look for? What should they, you know, make note of? Like, how is that conversation with the doctor? What are the next steps? Because I know some people, some people don't want to do chemotherapy. Some do. Like, what is that? What happens after, you know, you get that diagnosis?
0: Right. Typically, right after you get a lot of information, which is why they typically always say, bring somebody with you because you're not listening. And the person with you is probably getting just a little bit of that information because it's like you said, devastating. They typically sign you up with a medical oncologist and that department gives you chemotherapy. Now, whether you're getting chemotherapy or not, it's good to determine if like if whether you decide to get chemotherapy or not, it's good to go to that appointment to see. Okay, if I get chemotherapy, I can live X amount of years. If I don't, then I can live X amount of years. It's really good to get that type of information. You may go to straight to the surgeon. It all depends on the type of cancer that you were diagnosed with, the size of it, the stage. Um, you'll talk to the surgeon. Should I do chemotherapy first? to shrink the tumor, and then have surgery. What type of surgery should I have? Should I have a lumpectomy where I'm just, um, they're just removing the lump? Should I have a mastectomy where they're taking my breast tissue? Should I have a double mastectomy where they're taking both uh, breast tissue? Um, Am I getting chemo first or surgery first? Am I getting radiation after that? So there's so much information that they can throw at you, and it's all contingent upon the type of breast cancer, the stage, the size. So if a patient has triple negative breast cancer, which is um, an advanced form of breast cancer, typically in all facilities are different. And it doesn't mean it's wrong. Just, it just means people are different and facilities do things differently. A uh, patient will get chemotherapy first to shrink the tumor. And because it's aggressive, you really want to make sure that It's killing everything in the body because sometimes there's things that we can't see with the human eye. So typically they'll get chemotherapy first, then surgery. But once again, it depends on the size. They can get a lumpectomy. They can get um, the mastectomy. And then depending on the subtype of the cancer, they can receive radiation. I do know some people who have metastatic breast cancer. So as soon as they were diagnosed, it was determined that the breast cancer was all over their body already. So because of that, I do know some women that did not go through surgery at all. They still have their breast tissue and they just went straight to chemotherapy. And then after that, they may have done radiation, they may have not. So it just really depends on the type of cancer and when you were diagnosed and what stage. There's other um, types of treatments like immunotherapy, and that basically means you are taking your healthy cells and you're killing the cancer cells with your healthy cells. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's different types. You can have IV chemotherapy, oral chemotherapy. There's so many treatments and so many modalities, but um, just going back to, it just depends on what type. And that is considered upon the conversation that the doctor is going to give you. But the three typical treatments and modalities are chemotherapy, surgery, and radiation. Mm.
1: Now, with chemotherapy, because I know I've heard a lot of mixed things with people, you know, and I, I personally have friends that have dealt with cancer, mm. um, and I've heard mixed things, obviously. So when a person gets, you know, that news, is it, is it presented sometimes where they have an option or is chemotherapy mandatory sometimes in cases? Can a person make a decision on like, hey, I prefer to do alternative, you know, mm-hmm. options? I know some people, they really, really, really don't really care for the whole idea of it. They have different, you know, thoughts about it. So is this something that a person has to do?
0: Um, No. So the patient, you are always the the ceo president of your body so no you don't have to do that you're not typically forced to do anything that's illegal but i think the doctors always want to make sure like hey if you don't do chemotherapy then you have i'm making this up a 10 percent chance of living so and i think that pushes anybody to say okay well i want to live so let me go ahead and do chemotherapy and it doesn't mean that chemotherapy is easy because it's not but they know by, with research that if you have six cycles, which means if you go through uh, chemotherapy six times, that that decreases your risk of not only for the cancer returning, but for it to shrink and go away. So that if you need surgery, there's not so much invasive surgery that the doctor has to do. So it's based on research. But no, you don't have to do it. But they're really treating you as if in I want to say this in an optimistic way. They're treating you as if you are their sister, their brother, you know, because men can get breast cancer too. So they're trying to give you the best option and they're offering the standard of care. So if you have triple negative breast cancer, you know, it's almost like a box in in a page. So they say, if you have triple negative breast cancer and your stage, this, and your tumor is this, and this, and this. Then you should get chemotherapy because research research shows you have a greater percent chance of living. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to, but I would gather that um, you should, but you don't have to.
1: Okay, and I definitely just wanted to ask that because I know I hear a lot of different people. They like, no, I don't want to do chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a friend personally that went through something similar, and she went through it, but you know, it was a obviously a lot. You know. Mm-hmm. And to deal with so i was just curious about that and just the mm-hmm. different options you know because i i know it's a sensitive question but i just think it's something that we have to discuss regardless because so many people are dealing with different types of cancers so it's just hopefully to take some of the fear out possibly you know so i hope that you know that was a good thing for mm-hmm. some good information for someone to just hear okay, what happens if, you know, what are some of the options? So I wanted to dive in and talk about this documentary, A Letter to My Sisters. I wanted to first start off with, how did you guys come up with the idea to do the documentary? And just, can you tell us some more about it?
0: Sure. Oh my goodness. I think I started out at first, you know, being a radiation therapist and I'm like, there's so many young women coming in for radiation. What is happening? So I know one girl that um, I treated, she was super cool. She had box braids like me. We both had gold anklets. Like I said, I'm from Philly. So we both like the same um, Philly rapper. I don't know if I can say his name. So I'll just say Philly rapper. Um, And she was 24 years old and she passed away. So I was like, "Mm, I didn't know you could be 24 years old and pass away of breast cancer. And there was another woman um, named Kwani Lopez. She was amazing, just funny. And um, her breast cancer spread. And I remember seeing her in the hospital, she had oxygen and cause it spreads her lung. And she asked me how research was going and I had no question for her. I had no answer for her, excuse me. Mm. And just stories like that. And of course, breast cancer is not a death sentence. It does not have to be, but the particular stories that I have in my head sort of propelled me to do that. But it was in particular, my friend Jacqueline, who her story is so crazy. So she, Went to her gynecologist and said, I fell a lump. And her gynecologist said, you're too young for breast cancer. You're fine. Just go. So Jacqueline said, "Okay, well, I don't have time for this anyway. She went back to the gynecologist a year later to have her IUD taken out because she wanted to start a family. She's always wanted to be a mom. So the gynecologist, you know, goes through the assessment, checks her breasts, and her eyes get big. So Jacqueline was like, "Okay, this isn't good. Send her for an ultrasound. Send her for a 3D mammogram, biopsy. And it turned out she had that aggressive subtype, triple negative breast cancer. So she um, went right into chemotherapy, surgery, then radiation. That's where I met her. And we were like, okay, good. She's fine. She tolerated everything well. And I'm not saying it wasn't hard, but she got through it. And a couple months later, it spread to her brain. I saw her that day in the hospital. She looked phenomenal. I had just got off of work and she looked better than me. I said, what is happening? Um, and then a couple of weeks later, she passed away. But before she did, she said, don't forget about me. And it was just she, she didn't say it like she was going to die. It was just kind of like, you know, me, just don't forget about me. You know, I want you to keep going because I was still giving talks about breast cancer. And she did. So I said, you know what? Some people don't like to read it. You know, it takes me a long time to open up a book because I just can't. Some people don't like looking at PowerPoints, but I said, I love movies. I love documentaries. And I think a lot of people love movies and documentaries too. So let's talk about breast cancer, but not like just breast cancer, this, this, and this. Let's have people tell stories. And I think that's when things resonate within people. So I was able to interview three phenomenal women. The first woman, her name is Janique Rivera mcgriff She is literally... uh, three beautiful things she's Jamaican she's Puerto Rican and she's Chinese she was diagnosed with breast cancer at 29 years old and she tells her story of advocacy you know she Janique don't play you know I always say I think she's from Copney because she like listen um she told them at the breast center if you don't check my breast I will take my breast out and you're going to have to because they kept saying we're too young well guess what she had breast cancer and this turned out to be her entire journey, just advocating for herself. I remember she told me that she was sitting in um, the chemo suite, and she just felt like her tumor was getting bigger. And she said something to them, and they're like, "No, you ha- you have to get your chemo." And she said, "No, I don't, and I'm not." She said, "Until you give me another scan." They gave her another scan, and she was right; her tumor was growing. So once again, you don't have to do it, but it's always important to advocate for yourself. She did that. The tumor spread from her breast to her lung, had the surgery. The tumor spread from her breast to her brain, had the surgery. And let me tell you, Janique is doing just fine and well today. She is married. She has three children. She is living the dream. And she wanted to tell her story because it's important to fight for yourself. If you feel like something's wrong with your body, fight. If that doctor will listen to you, go to the next doctor. You fight. And because she fought, she is here today and she's living with metastatic breast cancer. But right now there's no evidence of disease. Praise God. So she is doing great. But advocate, advocate, advocate. And I know it gets tiring to advocate because it's like, why don't you listen to me? But it pays off to advocate for yourself. The second woman, her name is Brenda Durante. She's a beautiful Mexican woman. Her um, interview is actually in Spanish, but there's English subtitles provided. Thank God to my best friend who flew all the way from California to Philadelphia to interview her. Because I said, you know, I know all our Como style, but that it stops about there. And she tells her story of being a strong Mexico, Mexican woman. And she was like, I didn't know Mexican women can get breast cancer. She said, We don't have the time, we're too busy. You know, I I just don't have the time. But guess what? She had to have the time and finally focus on herself. She learned you can't pour from an empty cup. So she tells that story. And then the last woman, her name is Lynn Mitchell. She is Swedish, Irish and German. She was diagnosed when she was 41 years old and she tells her story of being a strong woman, a single mom and having to go through treatments as a single mom, but having to fight because she was a single mom and she had to be there for her two boys. So it was very important for me to tell these stories because breast cancer does not discriminate. It doesn't matter if you're Black, uh, Hispanic, or white. It doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, 30s, or 40s. It doesn't matter if you speak English or Spanish. It does not discriminate. And by hearing these stories, what sort of resonates is, okay, maybe I should talk to um, my Nana about my family cancer history if I can get it. Maybe I should talk about genetic testing. Maybe I should enroll in clinical trials, and usually Black and brown people don't like to talk about that, but that's very that's very important. Maybe, and I should, learn my body um, and touch my breasts and see what they look like. For my partner, too, I know a lot of patients who said, you know, I didn't notice anything, but my man, my girlfriend, whomever... Um, notice a difference in my body and then always advocate 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 so that was the whole purpose of the documentary wow
1: that I mean beautiful and of course extremely sad stories with that Mm -hmm. what so how can we view the documentary and where can you know like what's the next step with the documentary well
0: yeah so right now we're doing by screening basis so you could literally say um, go on the you'll go on my website and say, I want to view it with my girlfriends and I'll just send you the link. And it's, uh, it's a private link, but it's on YouTube. But the goal eventually is to have it on more streaming services to get it out there so that people can be aware that it's not really meant, although it's sad, like you said, it's a lot to talk about breast cancer, but it's not meant to scare people, it's to ignite people and to give them sort of the tools and resources by hearing these stories so that they can then implement some things in their life. So that's that's the goal ultimately. Um, But we want to keep telling stories. I want to keep telling other people's stories It's so important, you know, and I think by storytelling and we do this culturally and historically storytelling sort of propels us to what we need to do. And that's the goal. Mm -hmm.
1: And I commend you guys, you know, because, again, and I. Just from what you're saying, yeah, I'm sure there's some other stories in there that will make someone feel some type of way, but mm-hmm. again, I hope it does. I would think it would ignite people to just think maybe differently about their health yeah. than anything. You know, one person says, hey, well, I'm going to make note of maybe I, I'll cut back on drinking or smoking or, hey, mm-hmm. I haven't scheduled a mammogram All or right. I got one a few years ago. I'm not really thinking about it. I'm too mm-hmm. busy you know, a lot of us, we're busy, we're mothers, we have careers, we put our health to the back burner. Someone may think twice after watching this, like, oh, wait a minute, I better head to the doctor, you know, just to be on top of that and take care of myself. So I think that's a wonderful thing. And I've definitely seen some of the progress that you guys have got going on on social media and LinkedIn and it seems like it's gonna be something really special. So mm-hmm. I'm very, I'm very excited just to learn more about it. And I definitely wanna watch it soon. I know we talked about that, you know, <laughs> but, but anything to just educate us about our health, you know, health is wealth and breast cancer is just something that again is it's painful in a sense because breast cancer is disease is a disease where it doesn't have to directly affect you without hurting you you know just hearing if someone else has it Mm -hmm. we don't even have to know them like i said suzanne summers i mean Mm -hmm. just hearing anyone Mm -hmm. has dealt with it it just it tugs you in a different way because you know Mm -hmm. for the the grace of god it could be you you know it could be your loved one or your best friend like there's no factor that makes you different from the next person so that's you know that really touches you you're right thank you so I wanted to just ask you just to round everything out. What are some other things, you know, that you would like, some takeaways you would like people to take from this interview, something that they can just, you know, to be on top of, just to make mm-hmm. note of just on how they approach this or just to maybe take some fears away? Because even to this day, sometimes we may have fears sometimes going to the doctor. Some people have in their mind, like, I don't want to know, you know, Are they, they may have some type of suspicion sometimes people are so afraid if they have a suspicion to go to the doctor or they delay it you know because they may be afraid of what they may hear so what are some things you can just give some insight on to encourage us to think twice about our health and to just kind of take away any reservations for at least going to the doctor and get checked
0: right oh my gosh that's your
1: listen I see why you have your
0: your podcast because you were spot on <laughs> um <laughs> I would say That the patients who have waited and they don't have the best prognosis, they always say that I know if I could go back, I would definitely change things around and I would not wait. I would go right to the doctor because my prognosis would be different. Mm -hmm. So I always offer that. I understand it's scary. I mean, nobody wants a cancer diagnosis, but like you said, it does not have to be a death sentence. And I try to always say, no matter what, typically, if you get breast cancer or any cancer, but it's at an early stage, you have such a high percent of surviving. Now, it does not mean the journey is not Is going to be easy. You still might need chemotherapy. You still may need surgery. You still may need radiation, but at least you are now living a life and you have a greater than 90, 80 percent chance of living. And if you don't want to do it for yourself, if you don't want to get checked for yourself, get checked for your children, get checked for your neighbor that you love, get checked for somebody I think we all typically have that somebody if we're not going to do it for ourselves we're going to do it for somebody else because that person those people need us and not in a selfish way but they just love us and they want us to be here I you know I want to be here for my nieces I want to have children one day I want to walk down the aisle so let me get things checked now so that I can have a future you know so I can have a future and then I also like to say, you know, I, in this community, the breast cancer community is so beautiful and so strong. There's so many phenomenal organizations like Unite for Her. Unite for Her offers breast and ovarian, ovarian cancer patients tools and resources. They get a passport of, of worth $2,000 and they can decide if they need, if their need is groceries, acupuncture, nutrition, um, counseling. I mean, those are things that are happening now. I got diagnosed with cancer now and I need things now. Beautiful organization. Dr. Monique Gary, she's a breast surgeon. She has a farm, black woman. She has a farm, 40 acres, no mule. And, it, <laughs> and it's dedicated for um, wellness and health. She always says, "Food is medicine," and that goes back to what we said before. So she's teaching not only cancer patients but other, but the community. This is what you ingest: uh, plant-based foods, things like that. So there's, I mean, I can name so many other organizations. My density matters. We talked, We didn't even talk about. I didn't even talk about density because when you get screened, they may say you have dense breasts. That just means they can't tell what's in your body. So then you need additional screening. So there's so many beautiful organizations that can help you. So no, you don't want to be diagnosed, but you always have Unite for Her. You always have Dr. Monique Gary. You always have My Density Matters. You have a, I mean, there's Dr. Chalice Rhodes. You've got um, Inspiring Life Together. Like there's so many organizations that will take care of you. Mm -hmm. and help you and go through it with you and a lot of these women a lot of these communities have breast cancer survivors thrivers so they know exactly what you're going through and they're going to help you you know what don't cook the entire time i got you and it's not going to be burger king all the time i'm not knocking burger king but it's going to be it's going to be healthy food you know what it's back to school time. I got your children's book bags. They're this, they're that. I mean, it's a community, things you don't even think of. You don't, Your long you know, um, Spring Williams, she has inspi- uh, Inspiring Life Together. She does long care service. And there's nothing that you, you wouldn't think about that, but you still have your loan to take care of. You still have other things to ca- take care of, you know what I mean? So things like that, there's a community there for you. So although you don't want to be a part of that community, if you ever get diagnosed, you're going to be well taken care of. Wow.
1: That's good to know. You know, like I said, I know this is just, this whole conversation, it's, I don't want to keep using the term scary, but I just want to say it's more of awareness yeah. because it's it's just a sign of the times right now. It's just something that women, we just need to be aware of. We need to be as educated as possible. And again, the first step is to go to the doctor, you know, yeah time has shown us over the past few years, like we really can't play behind our health. Like we have to go to the doctor regularly, like do not skip that regular, you know, yearly six-month appointment, you know, mm-hmm. go to the doctor, get your blood work, get your exams. I'm a living witness, you know, just like I told you in a personal conversation this time last year, I could barely walk. Right. I was so sick you know, severely anemic, just terrible, you know, a uterine issues. Mm-hmm. So we have to take care of ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes some of these, some of these diagnoses, we may feel like, yeah, it's out of our control. You know, mm-hmm. there's certain hands that's dealt to us and I do understand that, but we still can do our part, mm-hmm. you know, to really value ourselves and say, hey, you know, I will watch what I eat I'll mm-hmm. wash the things that I intake, you know, alcohol. I can cut back if, you know, if you're a regular drinker, hey, but you can still cut back a little bit mm-hmm.
0: if you smoke.
1: Make some efforts to maybe try to not do it because beyond cancer, it causes so many other, it's an avenue to so many other things, you know, just to take care of ourselves because we worth it, you know, like we all deserve to have a, a fulfilling life. You know, like mm-hmm. I said, if we can do some steps to help ourselves, it's a good thing, but definitely just please, if anything, go to the doctor. Do not skip those appointments. If you're not comfortable with your doctor, you know, find another doctor. You should be able to see a doctor that you're comfortable with, number one. So you feel like you do have an ally that is concerned about your health. So, you know, it's just so many, so many things we could say about this, but I just feel like, you know, we should be comfortable being advocates of course when we speak to the doctor but also advocates in our daily lives as well so that we can really truly love ourselves because having your head done and your face beat is great but <laughs> we got to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. internally please you know our health is important and i just mm-hmm. you know i want that to be a part of this whole women's empowerment movement too is mm-hmm. how we do our
0: health <laughs> you know, this is important yeah. especially as black women i mean I feel like black women always get the business. You know, nobody listens to us. Our pain level is we don't have one. We can, you know, we don't feel pain. You know, it's just what we just get the business. So yeah. let's take care of ourselves. Let's take care of our sisters. You know, there's a, another organization, Touch, the Black Breast Cancer Alliance, and it's focused on black women. Let's get it together. Let's enroll in clinical trials. And I know, you know, we talk about Tuskegee, Henrietta Lacks, but. If we don't enroll in the clinical trials, the cancer specifically, they won't know how to treat the cancer in our bodies, Mm -hmm. you know, and back then they didn't have informed consent. Now there's informed consent. And if you want, take 13 people with you, have them read it over to make sure that what you're going to enroll in is legit. But do it. And you know, I always say in it's funny, my mom was born in nineteen sixty one, my grandma was born in nineteen thirty two. My grandma was like, I'm not in wrong clinical trial. And I I get it, you know. Um, but For me, if I ever get breast cancer, I'm going to because I don't want my nieces to have to go through that, you know. So if they can determine in my body, my black body, okay, if we do this and if we do this, then if God forbid my nieces ever get it, I know to give them this medication and they're going to be fine. So, you know, I want to do it not just for myself, but for the next generation, for my sisters, because I don't want them to have to go through this. You know, uh, um, a dear friend of mine, her name is Jamil Rivers. She's a metastatic breast cancer uh, survivor. And she actually has an organization, um, Chrysalis Initiative. And she says, you know what, Nia? I don't know if breast cancer is ever going to be eradicated. But she said, I want it to be like a chronic disease. And she said, remember in the 80s where um, HIV AIDS was a death sentence? And I know this personally because my uncle Kyle passed away in 1985. And she said, you know, it was basically like epidemic, pandemic, and now if you get diagnosed, though you don't want to be diagnosed with it, you can thrive, right? Same thing. She said, I want breast cancer to be like that. Though you may not want the diagnosis, if you get it, you're not, you sort of take the sting out of it. You know, you know that there may be some trials and tribulations, but I know that I can live. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. Let's live. Let's allow our sisters and everybody that gets di- I'm not excluding other races, but just yes. specifically because I'm talking to my sister. Um, let's." Save us, right? No, no more getting the business. Let's save us. Let's save our daughters. Let's save our sons. Yeah. Let's save our community. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for everything that you I love that.
1: Yes, let's save our community. Let's save our sisters. Again, you know, our health is extremely important. We deserve to. I hope we do get to a point where you, great, gave a great example back in the day, you know, in the 80s, it was a death sentence if someone got HIV AIDS, but mm-hmm. so many people live with it now. And, mm-hmm. like, and like you said, you may not want the diagnosis, but it's one thing to get that diagnosis and you can live with it. So it'll be a beautiful day where breast cancer is like that, you know, mm-hmm. it's, one can only hope, but you've definitely given some amazing information, just even talking mm-hmm. about the clinical trials, you know, so I do hope that, you know, in the future, some other sisters will be having a different conversation, you know, than the one that some of the things that we discussed as well. But one can only just take that step again, like I said, to look out for themselves, at least go to the doctor. That's the Mm -hmm. first step, you know, and also just be conscious of what we do, what we put into our bodies, you know, because health is well, food is medicine, you know, this is a vessel, and it's what we put into ourselves that can also, like I said, some diagnoses, as we know, are inevitable, but we still can just value ourselves more, and hopefully, it could just make a difference what we do to ourselves. Sometimes, maybe, if you're just in a healthier state, sometimes the body can work in our favor, you know, when we treat it well, so, you know, I just hope that, in the future, like I said, some other little sisters will be having this conversation mm-hmm. with more success stories, you know, it would be a great thing. So mm-hmm. I want you to tell everyone how they can reach out to you if they have any questions. And also, I know you mentioned there's opportunities for private screenings with the documentary. So tell them all your information, how they can get to your website, follow your social media and everything.
0: Sure. sure. So you can go to my website. It's Dr. Abbreviate Dr. Nia Imani Bailey. I know my parents' name gave me a long name. Um, And you can go on there and request a screening um, or just ask me any questions that you want. My email is also on my website and then my social media. So the documentary social social media is a letter to my sister's documentary. And my personal one is Dr. Nia Imani. So you can always reach out, always ask me any questions. I'm always on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever, you know, just trying to reach out. And I'm always here for anybody, my sisters, my brothers, you know, I, I love people. People may get on your nerves, but no matter what, let me tell you something. I'd rather you reach out to me because the goal is to save lives. And I always treat people like my family. Listen, you better you give me five minutes, okay? And then I'll get back to you. But, you know, I, I the goal is to save lives. And like you said, they have a different conversation in a couple of years so reach out to me no matter what. Um thank you so much and you know I do dedicate this episode to people who are dealing with
1: this right now, our sisters mm-hmm. who are dealing with it and some of us. Some of our beautiful sisters who have passed on, you know, like you like your beautiful friend mentioned, don't forget mm-hmm. about her. Like I had to hold it in when you said that. So mm-hmm. again, you know, I just pray that if anyone that watches this goes to the doctor and they may get that diagnosis that they have a community you know that is there for them in addition for some of us who may be blessed enough that they won't get that diagnosis that they still learn something from this conversation just to take care of themselves just to maybe think twice before certain things that we do to our bodies you know just to love yourself no matter what and just please 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 take care of yourself but again this is breast cancer awareness month and again breast cancer is something as i mentioned even even if it hasn't affected you directly there is someone else you know that it has affected and we are a community so when it affects one of us it affects us all so this episode is dedicated to our sisters so again thank you dr niamani bailey i definitely appreciate you and everything that you're doing so amazing and i just love it so again thank you guys for tuning in Extra hugs tonight and thank you for watching the Q chat. You can watch this episode and so many more. www.goqueen.com and be safe and go love yourself. That